Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 89. This is our Open Championship DraftKings show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System. And, there, and with me we have the one and only European Tour and Open Championship tipster for Golf Betting System. It's Paul Williams. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Steve. How are you? After all of the... Hot, yeah. After all of the uh, the trials and tribulations of the last few days, yeah, it's, it's warm, isn't it? It is warm. It's unseasonably warm here in the UK. In uh, in well, we're just kind of outside of London, aren't we? But mm. um, I don't think it's going to be too warm over at Royal Port Rush this week. No, it does look. Uh, if it ekes over sixty Fahrenheit in the afternoons, then I think they'll be doing well. So uh, it's, uh, it's going to be going to be a test for the boys, isn't it? Like we'd like to see it. I think, um, yeah, Northern Europeans, the term that you and I use. Mm. Yeah, and a so, lot of players will not welcome that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, certainly, a little bit of weather coming in off the Atlantic, which is always good, spice yeah, things up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. GolfBettingSystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Uh, Paul is available at Golf Betting. I'm available at Bamford Golf on Twitter. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audioboom, Buzzsprout and YouTube. And there's a load of different pod channels over and above that as well. Now... We are asking for two simple things from you guys. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Leave your name in the review so we can read it out on the podcast. We always enjoy doing that, getting your feedback. Also, if you are in the growing band of YouTube listeners to the pod, please subscribe and like the show. Okay. You and I have been thinking DraftKings over the last few hours. Mm. You've been clearly getting your head round uh, the golf course, the weather, players that you like for your uh, main betting preview, which went up yesterday. That's available in the description box, a link through to Paul's betting preview for you uh, listeners that are interested in that. Um. And clearly, we're now looking at this from a DraftKings angle, which is something we've done for the last few majors and something that's proven very popular with the listeners. Clearly, many thousands of DraftKings players across the United States, Canada, and growing over here in the United Kingdom and Ireland. Yeah. And we, we do golf betting system contests each week, don't we, on the European Tour and also the PGA Tour that listeners can join in with. Yeah, yeah they're growing. And um, it's, it, it takes a bit of time, I guess, to crack the... Different markets and the UK market's so used to gambling and um, and, and betting in a conventional sense that it's take yeah it's it's quite a quite a tricky one to try and convince people to come and come and play fantasy golf. But once people have played, it's uh, you know they they get the bug and and really enjoy it. And I must say, it's a staple part of my my weekly um, golf interest each week and. Uh, and yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it. So, uh, so yeah, let's 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 see where this takes us. This particular pod. What we're going to have as well is our listeners out there that have never played DraftKings. 
But don't despair, because our friends at DraftKings over in Boston, Massachusetts, they have pulled together a new customer offer for the Open Championship this week. So it's a great opportunity to sign up and to uh, get a little something back for joining. They're running. So fancy trying DraftKings this week at the Open Championship with a chance to win the one million top prize. Register a new account and deposit $5 or more using the qualifying link and you'll get a free entry into the Fantasy Golf Millionaire Contest worth $20. Clearly, terms apply. You have to be 18+. plus. If you click through to Paul's um, betting preview in the description box that you will see if you're listening to this on the likes of Podbean, um, you will be able to then access this new customer offer. It won't be available on YouTube because we're not allowed to put any advertising on there. Otherwise, they close us down. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, just come to golfbankingsystem.co.uk and you will find in the right-hand navigation the uh, the button that will send you through to that uh, free entry to this week's Fantasy Golf Millionaire. That's new for DraftKings. The last couple of majors, they've been running um, basically a contest for new players only. But this time, they're actually giving you a chance for free entry to actually win the top prize of $1 million. I believe the prize pot is three million total, isn't it? Yeah, they're clearly trying different things to uh, to attract um, new players to the to the uh, to the game, and uh, as you say, they've done some some free roll uh, deals over the last few majors. Interestingly, they've changed the millionaire make or the fantasy golf millionaire to a hundred dollar entry previously, and um, it just about filled um, at Pebble Beach, but um, they've, they've reverted back to the previous. Angle, which is twenty dollars for the, for this week, so um, massively popular. Well over a hundred thousand people will enter it, and well over one hundred thousand teams. And um, yeah, you've got to be in it to win it, and put your six players in and uh, and see how you fare. Well, you know, if you fancy multiple teams, and we're, we're, you know, that's the kind of thing we'll touch on as we go through this this podcast. But um, different ways to play it with different angles of attack, with you know more than one team, if that's how you see. Uh, how you see your strategy for trying to uh, to win the big one this week? I'm looking at a weather forecast. I've been looking at weather forecasts for the last 48 hours, and they continually change. But the one I'm looking at at the moment says that Thursday is going to be the worst day. Um, it says that the wind will be between 10 and 20 miles an hour, mm. and will be um, gusting to that 20 mile an hour level uh, up until around about lunchtime and then from lunchtime the wind slightly subsides not by much only a couple of miles per hour but what we are seeing potentially on this forecast although I've seen others that say it's going to be doing this all day is actually going to be drizzling Hmm. if that forecast I just described to you um, is the reality of things do you think that the Early starters or the later starters would have an advantage. I mean, for uh, clearly the course might soften in the afternoon, and there might be just slightly less wind and a little bit warmer. Yeah. But then you've got rain everywhere. You've got water on clubs, on balls, in the rough, yeah. on greens. That seems to me. I don't, see, I, I'm trying to get my head around what's the better scenario there. Yeah, it's a difficult one. The forecast is changing. Um, 
Oh yeah, by the minute. By the minute, and you know, when when we first looked at this, um, I first looked at this on Sunday. It looked fairly placid for the four days, and um, as as we've got further into the week, you know, we're only Tuesday lunchtime now. It has um, it has deteriorated on Thursday, as you say. It's it's, yeah. look, it's looking wetter. Um, it's certainly looking breezier than it was before. Um, over the weekend, it still looks fairly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Friday looks very scorable. Mm. Su- Saturday doesn't look overly onerous. There could be a little bit of rain before it starts on the Saturday, softening that golf course. The wind, anything up to, I think, nothing really more than about fifteen mile an hour gusts. Yeah. A little bit gustier on Sunday, but nothing more than twenty. You know, yeah. no- nothing that a top, you know, set of top golfers can't handle. Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting one because you could you could kind of put your team together on the basis of there being some kind of draw bias. Um, and I, I'm not sure it's dramatic enough mm. now to make that decision. But uh, I'm not sure I'm seeing it. You could certainly make that call nearer the time should you should you see that it gets significantly worse. But yeah, I think it's going to be, if it's going to be slightly warmer in the afternoon, but wetter, I think that kind of negates the fact if it's drier and slightly breezier in the morning, it's, it's probably six of one, half a dozen of the other. And, yeah, it's probably fairly flat. Now, if that wind picks up um, significantly more in the morning, then with the with the course being so open to the elements, that could be the deciding factor. But um, but right now, I, th- I think it's fairly flat. So so yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to not going to pay too much um, credence to the to the draw for the purpose of this. But certainly something to keep an eye on if um, if it does change. And uh, it's not- notoriously difficult to read the weather patterns. Even with the best forecast in the world, it can be utterly different when you actually get there on the day with these uh, these Lynx tracks on the Atlantic coast. So, yeah, take it all with a pinch of salt, I think. They tend to have their own weather systems, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just going to the coast anyway, isn't it, over here? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, there is there is weather blowing through, so there is going to be some level of predictability to it, particularly with the rainfall. But um, yeah, it's still a moving feast at the moment. So, so yeah, Thursday one, the toughest day by the looks of it, and then kind of improving from then on. One thing you've made me very aware of, and it's it's clear when you actually look into the detail around it, it's a very exposed golf course, isn't it? Mm. So even a fifteen gusting 20 mile an hour wind is quite a severe challenge that Thursday looks like it's the kind of third start where a lot of big names are going to just disappear down the leaderboard never to be seen again some won't like it I mean that's that's, that's clear e- either they haven't got the mental fortitude to even try and fight it off or they just haven't got the game at the moment to be able to fight it off yeah yeah yeah, and so it's, you just it's, you've got to hang around on the Thursday, knowing that Friday and it's becoming easier and scorable. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's alien to a lot of the PGA Tour players who, who won't get much chance to play in you know, cooler conditions, drizzly conditions. You know, often when it rains over in the states, it's accompanied with uh, electrical activity, and they will straight off the course, aren't they? That's not going to be the case over here. It's, it, it, they're going to be asked to continue playing um, whether it's rain or shine so um, it's uh, it's a different skill set and you know, playing with playing with wet clubs and you know wet clothing and uh, in a bit of a breeze it's uh, it can be a different game a bit of a leveler it must be said but, so yeah I get again um, for, forecasting how that's going to impact your individual players is um, yeah, 
you need a crystal ball for that one, I think. There's no guarantee. I mean, I'm looking at another another forecast here while while we're talking. I mean, this is the Met, Met Office over here in the UK, and they're saying there's a fifty chance, fifty percent chance of rain all day on Thursday. Yeah, and they're saying that there's a sixty percent chance of rain on Friday afternoon. Mm. So, who knows? Let's see what changes. It'll probably be blazing sunshine, Steve. We've had that before, haven't we? I remember the 2010 Open when Louis won, mm. and McElroy was the they the guys that went out in the was it in the morning on the Friday got literally blown off the golf course. Have I got that right? I think it may have been the other way around. I remember Louis. Was it the other way out? It was the late starters on the Friday. Yeah. I think Louis snuck in early, didn't he? On the third on the Friday, got a well, score on the board. Yeah, this is it. I mean, I think he was done well before lunchtime on the on the Friday, and then. Uh, clearly built himself a, a lead up, and you know it was well over twenty four hours before he was back out on the golf course. The way that the uh, the, the open works with the the, you know, the long tee times that run all the way through the day. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it, that's one of the one of the vagaries of this this particular event. Yeah, I remember Rory shooting a cricket score that day? It was um, some very dramatic differences in the way that the uh, the course played during the uh, the course of the day, but. Uh, it's the, uh, the way it goes with Open Championship and Lynx Golf. So we'll, we'll see how it pans out this week. A lot of listeners will be wanting our European-based view on the field because clearly there's a lot of uh, it's a very international field. Um, there's a lot of European tour stalwarts in the field, and uh, there'll be a lot of names there that um, friends over the Atlantic won't be overly aware of, and uh, you know they don't play PGA Tour golf. So I thought we'd start at the bottom of the roster this week mm. and work our way through. You know, it's all very easy to talk about Brooks Kepka and uh, Dustin Johnson and is Rory going to win on a course? He's got his uh, a record. Uh, let's talk about that later. Let's try, you know, because at the end of the day, there's going to be various different styles here. Some guys are going to go for a couple of players at the top end, you know, above 10. And then look for some scrubs at the bottom. So let's let's just try and tick some boxes of players that we've got an interest in across the full rotor this week. If you're looking at players sub seven thousand dollars, are there any nuggets out there that you've uncovered that you could potentially look at using in some lineups? Yeah, I think so. I think in that kind of bracket, I mean, bang on 7,000, um, Andy Sullivan uh, ticks a lot of boxes for me. Um, he's been playing some far better golf over the last few weeks. He's had some personal problems going back in the, the last couple of years and uh, it's kind of settled down a little bit. He's, um, his home life is far more settled than it was before and I think that's starting to wash through in his results now, so... Last five starts, 33rd, 26th, 13th, second at the Hinch, which was pretty important, I think, in terms of the, the way that that course set up um, on the Irish coast that week. Compared Is that to how he got in? That's how he qualified, yeah? Yeah, exactly. And then 28th last week, just as a, a little saunt around uh, the Renaissance Club in Scotland. So, um, so yeah, he's, he's, got, um, he's got some good current form. And uh, I, say, I think that the Hinch form um, is going to be far more relevant to this week than, than anything we saw last week at uh, Renaissance in, in Scotland, simply because of the way that the, the course is set up. Paul McGinley deliberately 
and Indeed, tried yeah. to mimic the, uh, the the way that the course had set up at the Hinge um, and what we'll see this week um, coming forward at Port Rush. So to finish second there, and that was you know that's his best finish for quite some time. We know with Andy Sullivan, he's a, he's a well capable player. He's he's won multiple European Tour. Uh, titles over the years and it's just just been a little bit off the boil but um, but yeah um, what's really noticeable with with uh, his game is that his short game has really picked up over the last few weeks as well and that's you know he's a good ball striker when he's on form but um, if his short game is working as well then that's what puts him into this um, kind of contending positions and whilst his open championship record isn't you know it's not stellar and if it was you know he'd be far more far more uh, well-known player, I think, but um, 12th in 2016 was his best effort, and uh, you know at 7,000, um, if he finishes 12th this this week, then um, he's pretty much done the job for you there, I think, at that kind of price level. I can hear the chatter, people go, I can't believe this guy, he's putting up Andy Stark Sullivan at $7,000 over someone like Keegan Bradley, someone like Benny Ann, someone like Sung Jae-im, Cameron Smith. What's he talking about? But this is the point, isn't it? It's a very specialised event. I think so, yeah. It's a completely different kind of golf to to the golf that a lot of these players, they just don't play it year in, year out. They come over to the British Open from the PGA Tour and they just don't play Lynx golf. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, You need to get your head around it and get your head around it quickly, I think. I mean, talking Keegan Bradley, he has had some reasonably good finishes. Yeah, I did look at Bradley. Mm. In in the open over the years, you know, three top twenties from six starts over the years. He was second yeah. recently. Um, just someone like Bradley, when push comes to shove, the putter just tends to disintegrate, doesn't it? it just uh, doesn't mm. doesn't seem to be able to hang on to it. Um, you're gambling that he's going to uh, he's going to be able to produce some kind of at least average putting week to give you a decent return on that kind of level, but. Um, but yeah, the, the names you just mentioned, Bradley, out, out of those, would probably be the one that would be a little bit closer to my to my thought processing. Um, Adam Hadwin was one that did I was going to say, Adam away. Hadwin at 6 9. Mm. I mean, you've got some great players down here. Happy yeah. Barnrat, Biergaard. Yeah. yeah, players that have got some decent incoming form. And, you know, we mm. touched on it again on the preview, and uh, we're going to quite a bit of detail on the, on the betting preview as to what the incoming form of players who've contended and won the Open Championship in recent years has been. But uh, Adam Hadwin, sixth in Canada, fourth at the 3M Open recently, and clearly in some half-decent nick, um, as is Joaquin Neiman, who I know you've um, backed in recent weeks as well. Three top tens right. in, his last, in his last four. Don't mention it. <laughs> four eagles, like four eagles last mm. week. Couldn't get a slice of the each one because he yeah. kept throwing in the old double and... The double and too many bogeys. Yeah. Four eagles. Yeah. How often do you see that? No, I know. It's mad, isn't it? Mad. mad. Yeah, I mean, other players, you kind of, you could build a semi-case for, I guess. Yost Loughton's um, got some decent links for him. He's just been a bit off the boil recently. Uh, Lucas Beregard's missing cuts for fun, but you remember how well he played back at the uh, World Match Play earlier this yeah. year. And Big Tigger. Yeah, and yeah, if you look, you look for some kind of correlation, the world match play. Um, Kevin Kisner played well at the match play last year. He obviously clearly won it this year. Um, he played well at the match play last year, and then went on to uh, to be one of the surprise packages of the Open Championship um, twelve months ago. So, yeah, it's, you know, if you can look past the fact that he's missed five cuts on the trot, then uh, you could build a case for him there. But uh, not for me. Oh, right, Robert McIntyre would be an interesting one. Um, Scott, who's uh, 
clearly got a lot of um, links capability and uh, he's been knocking on the door every now and again on the European tour over the last um, few months. Um, he could be a sneaky, sneaky player. But I mean, of the three that um, three other players that I have got as part of my um, portfolio of players this week for DraftKings are Andrew Putnam, who's been playing some good golf recently. Um, three from three in majors in terms of cuts made, fourth last week. And I think you mentioned it on the podcast yesterday for the betting preview. Um, he was fourth at the AHSB, uh, HSBC, HSBC Champions, yeah. Uh, yeah, the WGC at the back end of last best. year, which is, yeah, it, yeah. which is his best kind of elite level finish. Elite level. Yeah, 65-64 over the weekend at Renaissance. So it's clearly something's working quite nicely with, uh, with Putnam. Uh, he's six six um, at the same price. Uh, Jazz Janowatan Anand, who I've put up um, as an outsider at three hundred to one in the in the outright market. Now he's six six, but again he's been playing some really solid golf, so predominantly at a lower level. Um, but a couple of wins so far in twenty nineteen, eight top five finishes. He beat the likes of Singapore Open was one of the ones that he won. He beat the likes of Paul Casey and Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sergio Garcia that week. So, you know, this, this, you're not a mug winning that kind of level of tournament. Um, and uh, he's been playing some decent stuff from tee to green. I, I thought he was well worth taking on in terms of the outright market at that price. And again, if you can manage to squeak him into the top 10, at six thousand six hundred on DraftKings, then you're getting a decent return, I think, on your uh, on a player at that kind of level. Um, the third one, third and final one, then we, we can hear what you've uh, what you think at that kind of level is uh, Lucas Glover, who I also put up in the outright market six thousand five hundred. He has come off the back of two top tens, seventh and then tenth last week. It's um, on the PG over on the PGA Tour and. Um, former US Open champion and he's finished at the PGA Championship this this year just gone by um, when uh, he returned to Bethpage Black which was the scene of his US Open triumph that was his best Open Championship finish for over eight years so starting to find a little bit certainly starting to find a little bit with his putter as well far far improved putting performances so far in 2019 and uh, yeah, a little bit of form to boot to bring into this week's event. So 6,500, a little sprinkling of Glover in my team is, is going to uh, is going to be part of the uh, part of the plan this week. And are you fancy around that kind of level? Um, I had a liking for Paul Waring, 6'6". Mm. Six, six. He's up to 125 in the uh, official world golf rankings, which is the highest he's ever been. He was 7th at Le Kinch a couple of weeks ago. 6th at Hillside. Again, another Lynx course where they played the British yeah. Masters. I think that's his home course from memory. He won the Nordea Masters last year in Sweden, yeah, which right, was a very gnarly, exposed golf course. Yeah, it is. Um, I remember Beef Johnston was in the top 10 for that. Um, and that tends to suggest that it was a tough course, which it was. Already this year, sixth in Abu Dhabi, third at the Dubai Desert Classic. That doesn't relate to this in any way, shape or form, but it tells you the quality of golf that he's been playing and the echelons of golf that he's been playing well in. Mm. And that's the thing, I think, with um, wearing. You know, you look at his 
uh, results in the past and not think much to him, you know, a real journeyman. But he just seems to have got his head around what he's doing at the moment. Very professional, uh, knows how to navigate around a golf course and knows how to hang around. Top 10 at the 2012 Irish Open held here on this golf course. And he was also 19th at the 2008 Birkdale Open Championship. So if you were looking for a player who's cheap, 6'6", someone that could get you a top 25, potentially with a fair win, top 20 finish, I think there's worse out there than Paul Waring, who has got a tendency to be able to uh, to navigate and hang around a Lynx-style golf tournament. Yeah, no, he's, he's been playing some good stuff where I put him up a few weeks ago in... Uh... Yeah, he missed the cut for you. Yeah, he did. Didn't he? Yeah. And then, and yeah. then he, the next week he contended. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's the normal trick. Yeah. That's the norm. The other one at that sub seven level, and this was one of Barry uh, Barry O'Hanrahan's hunches on yesterday's betting pre uh, podcast. Beef Johnston. Yeah. Who I think at six eight. I think, as he said yesterday, he couldn't have put it better. I think there's going to be so much love for Beef this week. So much good, so many good vibes out there. Um, I think the fans are going to be hundred percent behind him. He's clearly um, um, been mentioning about the the state of um, you know his mental um, issues that he's been having. He's come out the other side. For him to do what he did last week at the Scottish Open, which was a total birdie fest, and qualify for this, something that's completely alien to Johnston. Johnston to shoot that amount of birdies was impressive. And I just think he'll carry that mojo forward. Yep, yep. No, he's, he's got some momentum. And he was on for a 59 at one point, wasn't he, a renaissance? And, uh, you know, whilst I don't think he realistically thought that, you know, that kind of level was going to actually get him over the line from way off the pace on the Sunday, it's clearly a, a massive, you know, step forward in terms of his confidence. And his, his post-round interview was you know, full of emotion and... Uh, you know, clearly, he's been struggling, but uh, as you said, he's clearly a, a very popular player as well, and uh, I think he'll, he'll start to build his confidence back. And uh, yeah, you know, a decent showing at the Open wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be a bad place to start, would it? He's in a group with McIntyre, eight thirty six, Group Twelve. That might work because McIntyre, we know now that he's got the Scottish Open behind him, that miscut is almost obvious, wouldn't it? When he's been grouped with McElroy and Ricky Fowler, mm. but now that he's back to a you know. Carl Stanley and Johnston, that won't hold any fears. Great, a great Lynx player. I think Johnston's Johnston's in exactly the same boat. He loves harder tests. He was fourth in Qatar in 2016, which is always a good precursor for uh, Lynx golf. Second at the Indian Open in 2018. Very tough test down there. A winner um, at Valderrama in 2016. He beat the likes of Joost Lauten, Sergio Garcia, Soren Kjeldsen and Martin Keimer to win that title back in 2016. No no mean feat. He was also eighth at Troon in 2016, where he's actually fourth after 54 holes. Yeah. So he's got some open championship heritage and form as well. I just I just think that there's uh there's players in and around that that price point that are going to do far worse than Beef Johnston this yeah. week. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. Now just over, up into the sevens is another player um I think is going to be far He's going to be chalk this week. He's going to be very over, uh, very over owned. Earned. Oh God, over owned. Um, but you just got to say, you know, a tournament where form in is so critical. Bernd Wiesberger is just hot, isn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. He's absolutely red hot. Yeah. Um, first in Denmark, eighth in Belgium, 76th at Pebble Beach at the US Open, 16th at the BMW, second at the Irish Open, first at the Scottish Open. Hmm. And, well, yeah, but he won last week. And we've... You know, you often put out there, you don't want to be backing uh, tournament winners the week before a major. That's certainly the case with the Masters. But here, I mean, I just had a quick look at this. Brandon Stone last year won the Scottish Open. He was fifth after th- uh, the first round, 14th after 36 holes. Eventually finished 61st. Uh, Cabrero Bello, he won in 2017, was fourth the following week at the Open. Yeah. Noren 46th, Fowler 30th, Rose 23rd. And Lefty, of course, famously won the Scottish Open and then won at Muirfield, uh, the 2013 Open. So it isn't such a bad thing to win the Scottish Open before this. No. So I think I think Wiesberger at 7-1. And you said to me the other day, you know, look for players that can potentially top 10 um, at this. You What you're looking for, guys that have done something in majors before. Now, Wiesberger's got a top 10 in a WGC event down at the champ- uh, up at the Champions in China. He's also had two top 20s in majors, 15th of Valhalla in 2014, 16th he also had at Erin Hills in 2017. And you just look at the way he plays, he can, you know, two, three, four consecutive outings can, you know, easily finish in the top five. Yeah. And he's done it in the past many, many times. I think Wiesberg is not a bad shout at 7-1. That's clearly a price that was set way before this, this run of second and first. Yeah, and he was when that when that price was set, he was circa one hundred and fifty to one to win the uh, the Open Championship outright, and uh, he's been slashed into around about sixty six now. So so clearly the price is more than halved over that period of time. But of course the, the DraftKings price is set, so it's a seven one. He is going to be popular, as you said, and um, that kind of puts his price realistically about a thousand less than it should be, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, some, some will pick up on it, some won't. But he's forming Ireland, Paul. Fourth at Kilkenny, or Killarney rather, in 2011. Second at Royal County Down, which was a tough, tough golf course. Well, yeah. I think two under won it. 2015, and second at La Hinch this year, 2019. Yeah, he absolutely flies in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to like, isn't there? There is. There is I know like. he's going to be well owned, but um, you know, for quite a quite good reasons, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and other ones in that kind of price range that caught my eye was uh, Hao Tong Lee, who was 15th at La Hinch. He missed the cut last week, which will kind of take him off the radar a little bit. But if you dig into what actually happened last week, he had an absolute nightmare first round. Um, shot 73, double bogeyed the final hole. So with everyone making birdies for fun, he was right up against it to make the cut. Shot 65 in the second round, bogey free, 65, missed the cut on the number. Um, and clearly then has had an extra couple of days of preparation. Third at the Open the year before last as well with that flying final round finish. 7,300. And I think I think that might, the miscut last week will keep him relatively lowly owned. But um, I think uh, I think he's better than that. He's certainly playing some cracking golf earlier this season. Um, so yeah, 7-3 for Hao Tong Lee is, is one that's going to be part of my setup this week. And Brant Schnedeker I mentioned in the podcast yesterday as being one that I narrowly left off my overall staking plan, but he's certainly going to find his way into some of my DraftKings teams this week. Um, fourth in Canada, fifth at the Rocket Mortgage, 
playing some decent stuff. And we know he's got some uh, some open championship form going back to 2012, where he led for the first two rounds and, uh, and hung around, eventually finishing third that week as well. So playing some decent stuff, Brent. I know you've put him up in recent Schnitz, weeks as yeah. well. Yeah, Schnedeker, he's playing some nice stuff. Mm. And he did have a decent run at the Opens, didn't he, early on in... Yeah, like 2011, 2012. Yeah, just he just needs to get over this mental kind of barrier he seems to have had at majors for the last few seasons. He used to be a, he used to appear on lots of major leaderboards, but um, if he can get over that, and a, clearly a, a visit to um, Ireland and a complete change of scene might actually make that change possible for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, seven five. I could never back him because he wins very rarely. But I think for a DraftKings play, I think Rafa Cabrera Bayo, mm. his, his Irish form is unbelievable. 2012, Royal Port Rush, second on this golf course. 2013, Carlton House, fifth. 2015, Royal County Down, fourth. 2016, Clay K Club, eighth. 2018, fourth at La Hinch. He also, of course, won the Scottish Open at Dundonald Links 2017. That was the year that he won that and then finished in the top six at the Open the week after. Yeah, yeah. That um, tournament at Royal County Down, as we said, was won at two under by Soren Kjeldsen. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. It was tough. Nasty conditions, now, yeah. Yeah, I don't see this being as tough, but it does suggest that when that wins at its worst on the Thursday, he can hang around. Mm. Um Fourth at Birkdale in 2017. He's also had a fourth at the Alfred Dunhill at St Andrews in 2009. We always love a bit of Qatar Masters form at the Open. You know, windswept, tough, gnarly, technical golf course. Third there in 2011, third there in 2014, second there in 2016. And his form at the moment is absolutely red hot, isn't it? Yeah, third, top, fourth, three, ninth, three. Yeah. Is it three? Yeah, three top... Two uh, top ten and then two top fives. Yes, yeah, from his last three starts. Yeah, yeah. It's I just, wouldn't. I couldn't back him to win because you just know that it won't. It's very unlikely to happen. Yeah. Although saying that, you know, we've said all along that the player that wins the uh, the Open is someone that's in great nick and someone that's got a top ten previously here, yeah. and he's got both of those. So you know, he might actually win it, but I think for a DraftKings play. He's going to be in a couple of my teams, undoubtedly at that price point. Yeah, he's, I've got I've got him earmarked as a as potential for this week as well, and for the, for the same reasons really. I if he's going to if he's going to contend, it's going to be a, a kind of a backdoor contention, I'm sure, because we've seen him so many times get into a decent position to win, and then when mm. the pressure gets on, he uh, he drifts away. I mean, Hinch was another great example, wasn't he? He was in a great spot to win that, and. Uh, with with John Rahm coming up in the the rearview mirror, it, it all started to disintegrate on the Sunday and bogey after bogey, and eventually finished fourth. Yeah, it's, um, it can turn it around the other way, and when it when it works the other way for Cabrera Bello, and he, he's out of contention and um, just produces a flowing final round, he can yeah. get himself into a decent finishing position. And of course, from that, from that perspective, that's what we what we want for this particular. Yeah, you know, for, for scoring on Sunday for for DraftKings. So so yeah, at seven five. He's again, he's got to be used as a as a part of my my setup this week as well. You're including him, are you? I've got I know him. That, I know that you can. I know that you don't pretend. You don't. Well, you don't back him for obvious reasons. But 
Yeah, he's, 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 mar- he's marked in bright green on my uh, spreadsheet wow. that I'm staring at. Miss cut then. <laughs> more than likely. More than likely. I'm just I'm just digging into here. Um how he actually got that fourth position. He shot sixth in the uh, Birkdale Open. 67 in round one, put him in tied sixth. 73 round two, tied tenth. And then he shot 67-68, seventh after fi- uh, 54 holes and fourth at the finish. So, yeah, could hang around. You just don't know. I mean, if there's, if there's a major that suits him, bearing in mind this is a guy that's finished in the top three at the Players' Championship and has got WGC top tens behind him. Mm. He can mix it in very high circles. Just doesn't seem to stumble over the line very often. Yeah. But I think from a DraftKings player, there's a lot to like about him. I think he'll be highly owned. Yeah, yeah, no, I can say that. Can say it's that. a sweet area though here, isn't it? I yeah. think this this seven eight to seven range is very, very sweet. There's a lot of players here that I would far have on my team than players are a lot more expensive. Yeah, you I don't can, know about you. Yeah, you can certainly you can certainly stru- structure your teams in a way that incorporates a couple of these you, you can end up with a couple of guys from the very top two from this kind of bracket and then a couple of scrubs at the bottom and you can you can put together a number of teams that, that give you a blend of all of those if that's the way you uh, decide to attack it at the same kind of price level uh, Webb Simpson interests I backed him outright as well um, he's been putting far far better recently and uh, he's got some good consistent form in the open without really contending and um, Eddie Pepwell, 7-6 as well. Uh, again, he's got some decent links for him. Um, second at Hillside early this year. Fourth at La Hinch after a layoff um, with his back issues. Impressive. Just, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he just, just kept kept himself um, moving last week with 43rd in Scotland with, without putting the foot to the floor at all. So, sixth last year as well. Third at the players as well this year. And for me, Eddie's stepped up a level as well. And yeah. You've you beat me to him. Yeah, yeah, he's in my teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just look at his record. I mean, sixth in Sweden when that that was uh, the Nordia was played that year at the PGA um, Sweden National, which is a very very linksy kind of test looking test. Hmm. Um, that's sweet. It's it, just the way the course flows and the grasses that they use. Fourth in Denmark in 2014. In England, first last year at Walton Heath, we were there. It was blowing a hooli on the Thursday. It, it was cold. It was grim all week. He won that. Um, second at Hillside, as you said, this year when defending. And, of course, Qatar Masters. Yeah. First there in 2018th. Fourth there in 2015th. He's just got that that background of form on the European Tour that just shows you he's a proper Lynx player. Second at Royal County Down again in 15. Uh, eighth at the K Club. And fourth at La Hinch this year, as you said. And two two top five finishes at Gillane on the Scottish at the Scottish Open 2015 2018. Yeah, I think there's also some KLM Open form in there as well. If you're looking at Holland, there's a, there's a lot of compatible fits, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of form that does that does fit the mould with Eddie, and uh, yeah, it's nice to see him playing well again. Nice to see him fit and healthy. And uh, yeah, I think at the price on offer seven six, I think he's, uh, he's he's got to be. Got to be included in in, in the uh, in the mix this week. I think he can hang around in the, the Open Championship. You know, yeah. I don't think I don't think major golf in America, unless they go to a very short, claustrophobic par seventy somewhere, hmm. is ever going to really suit him. I don't yeah. think I don't think the PGA Tour will ever really suit him. But 
this Open Championship is, I think, uh, a window for him to have some serious major success in the future. Yeah, yeah. It just suits his game down to the ground. Yeah, and yeah, he's, he's in such a lofty position now in the world rankings that he can, you know, he can play these big events and, uh, and mm. really, really express himself. So, uh, well, he was third at the Players this year, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about this. If you look at previous winners of the Open, Spieth's had a top three at the Players. Um, Henrik Stenson, he's won at the player at TPC Sawgrass. Uh, last year we had um, Eduardo Molinari, uh, Eduardo, if it, as if Francesco <laughs> Molinari. He's got a great record at TPC yeah. Sawgrass. Yeah. So there's something about that golf course. Sergio Garcia being another. There's something there that links uh, Matt Kuchar's a, a Sawgrass winner. He was second behind Spieth a few years ago. There's something that really must link in between a a, a player and a, the attributes that work well on a links course that that marry up to Sawgrass. Yeah, it's a tricky test, and it's also in you know properly elite, elite company as well, isn't it? At, mm. at, uh, Sawgrass. So there's there's certainly some correlation there, I think. Anyone else in this sub eight thousand area you like? No, I've not got anyone else uh, earmarked until I go up to the uh, to the next bracket. Actually, I've made a note on Poulter. I think he could go well. The other one that I do think will go well is again is Barry's tip for the week. I think Leishman's got a lot about him. Yeah. If this weather remains a little bit naughty, fifth at Royal Liverpool in fourteen, second at St Andrews in fifteen, sixth at Royal Birkdale in seventeen. That's not a bad open record. No. And if you're looking for a guy who could just sneak up and do something a major, I think this is the major where Leishman would have the most success. I mean, that's the most success he's had in majors. Three top six finishes at the Open. Mm. Um, you look at his PGA record. Great record around Kapalua, Wailai, Torrey Pines, all coastal courses over in the United States. I personally think that if he was to win a major, I think the uh, the Open Championship is the is the best candidate for that. Yeah, no, I can see that. He's a good win player, isn't he? So it, it exactly. kind of follows that so the Open a bit yeah. one. That's uh, yeah, and it clearly got himself into the mix. It was in the playoff, wasn't he? It's um, at St Andrews back in uh, two thousand and. 15, wasn't it? For so. me, he's also another one that seems to raise his game for challenges now. I don't think run-of-the-mill PGA Tour stuff really floats his boat. It, mm. it seems to be he can peak. You know, you take his last three outings, fifth at Memorial, which was a loaded loaded field. He was reasonable at Pebble Beach, 35th, 21st at Travellers. Um, you look at that result at Liverpool and Birkdale, he'd been playing very well the outing before. The one at St Andrews, he'd been awful building into it so you can't he's another one Leishman he, he doesn't need tons of form to just pop up at the top of a leaderboard yeah. it just happens yeah. so I think Leishman's a decent shout at 7-7 seven, seven. yeah well capable given that I know I know um, who you're definitely going to be all over in the 8,000 category <laughs> I, I quite like this uh, the, the, the five that I've got uh, yeah. got a mark against yeah um, Matt Wallace who mm. is in decent nick, seven from seven in terms of cuts made recently. And yeah. he's, he's stepping himself up to be that kind he's of... He's in my squad. Yeah, he's been that kind of uh, major contender. He's got the mentality for it, I think, hasn't he? Um, second 19th. Back side. Last four majors. 19th missed cut, third, 12th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he should have won at Hillside on the Linksy track when uh, when uh, 
uh, Tommy Fleetwood was hosting back in uh, back at the British Masters earlier this year. Yeah, he had a relatively easy putt to win that, didn't he? Yeah, he's, he's... didn't he bogey the seventeenth to par five? He wasn't a happy chappy, was he? But um, no. I mean, that's that's the only downside with Wallace is he has shown a bit of um, bit of dissent, shall we say, over the last few weeks. Is he's you know, clearly striving to push himself on to, to bigger and better things, and it's spilled over a little bit. But um, I think that did he did he come close on your tips? Uh, yeah, maybe if it had been a little bit longer. I mean, fifty to one, and he's been been locked into forties in places now. And just felt a little bit short to me, you know. A Matt Wallace price that's, that's touching three figures for an open, an open championship. I think um, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a reason not to really with his um, his approach to the game. But uh, yeah, it was just a little bit short for me. But again, in this context, eight thousand one hundred, I think, is worth um, worth having a, a having an investment in, in my view. Um, yeah, he's in my he's in my squad. Yeah, he's he's a good player, I think. Um, Stenson at eight four, um, clearly rounding into some form, striking the ball beautifully last week at uh, Renaissance. Clearly an open champion winner as well. Um, there's, uh, there's not many holes you can, uh, you can you can build into it. I don't think form in is forming critical. Eighth in Canada, ninth at the U.S. Open at Pebble, which really was never going to suit him with pure. Power Greens, I don't think. Mm. Fourth at the Scottish Open. And uh, did you listen to this? I mean, if you want symmetrical, 2010 St Andrews, third. 2013 Muirfield Village, second. 2016 Troon, first. So, what do you think he's going to do in 2019? What, miss the <laughs> cut? Or do you think he, is he going to. I, I can't put any holes in Henrik Stenson. I think this golf course plays to his strengths, you know, because yeah. where a lot of players are going to be belting irons off tees, you just know of Henrik, actually here, he'll just be pulling three wood out of every hole, banging it straight down the middle and getting extra yardage. Yeah. That's dangerous, isn't it? There it is. You know, he's, he's been clearly been heavily backed in as well on the strength of how he's been playing and how he played um, particularly last week as well in Scotland. Um and again, that that price that's now into thirty to one generally um, hasn't been reflected in his DraftKings price, so no. um, you're potentially getting a you know a discount on his uh, his price here this week. Again, it's likely to be well um, observed by players, um, but um, does that mean that you should be put off by it? I'm, I'm not really sure it should. I think he's I think he's got a chance of top ten or better this week, Stenson. He's nineteenth in terms of that. Um... Rotor, I mean, he's he's just in the top ten for betting. So mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Stenson's a, a must for me. Yeah, so Wallace and he's Stenson, a, he's a cornerstone. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good good player to build a few some of your teams around. I think uh, Jason Day, I've backed in the outright market as well, so I'll be including him. I think he's under Steve Williams. is a is a bit of an unknown quantity, but I think he's. Um, improving his greens and regulation stats have been far, far improved over the last two starts, and um, I think he can contend here. I think he's got. I think he's actually got a chance of winning the tournament, Jason Day. So, uh, so yeah, he'll definitely be part of my team. And the ever uh, consistent Matt Kuchar as well, even though he let us down last week um, in Scotland, uh, he's clearly very, very strong in terms of his. Consistency, second and ninth, his last two Open Championship starts, um, incoming form, eighth, miscut, fourth, sixteenth, twentieth, and uh, yeah, I, I could quite readily see 
uh, Kuchar finishing yeah, on and around the top between 6 and 12, something in that kind of bracket, I think. As he so often does. It was a strange performance last week, wasn't it? I mean, he's, Kuch, he clearly, yeah. Yeah, he clearly was flying at the start, wasn't he? Yeah, first round leader. First round leader. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed because of the four players I put up last week, two of them were leading after the first round and uh, ended up with nothing. Uh, Kuchar got himself into the lead uh, midway through the round on Saturday, got up to 14 under and then just stalled. Um, did absolutely nothing for, for a full 18 holes or so, then made five birdies on the trot and then uh, just missed a pay, pay in place by making some late, uh, late mistakes. But, that's the way golf goes, unfortunately. But yeah, from this, from the context of this, you know, if you guys make five birdies on the trot, then you're picking up some decent DraftKings points, aren't you? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, a bit of cooch, I think, eight seven. And the, the, the other one that I'm tinkering with is um, Adam Scott, who I know has been um, in the vicinity for quite a few days now, getting himself acclimatised to uh, to the area and the course. And uh, again, clearly he's got some decent Open Championship form. Should have won in 2012, shouldn't he? And um, was he nine, nine cuts from nine starts made in the Open Championship um, over the last nine years. Decent incoming form, eighth, second, seventh from his last three starts. Um, the outright price puts me off 33 to one, but um, in terms of the um, in, in terms of DraftKings, again, I think he's he's got to be included in some teams at 8,800. With their current form, I mean, I'd rather back. I'd rather have Scott in my squad than someone like a Francesco Molinari, yeah, yeah. who's six hundred, who's six hundred thousand dollars more expensive. Yeah, I don't think Fleetwood's playing in any way, shape, or form the golf that he can. No, and he and Fleetwood is nine hundred thousand dollars more expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As Scott's you'll get exactly. You're getting a you're getting a hefty discount, and in all likelihood, a far better performance out of Scott or a Kucha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, there's, there's one sub nine that I've uh, that I fancy. Should I make the case for Xander? Because I know that he's going to be in your team. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, is the, is the only one that half. I've got in that bracket? Is it is, is the only one in the nines that I've got in any of my teams whatsoever? This is his um, major form. Last six outings: sixth at the U.S. Open in eighteen, second at the Open Championship in eighteen. 25th PGA, then we move to this year. Second at the Masters, 16th at the PGA, although he was he was top five for virtually all of it until yeah. he went you know, four bogeys on the trot in the worst of those conditions. Mm. Third at the US Open in 2019. It's good stuff, isn't it? A major performer. His form in reads, third at the US Open, 14th at Memorial. He hasn't played since the US Open. We had this discussion on the podcast. We have seen the likes of Johnny Miller do it in the past, um, who used to be able to raise his game for majors, big style, and just peak for them. And that's what you... As uh, Barry said, he is a Brooks Koepka light, isn't he, Xander uh, Schofler? Yep, yep. And a, a future major champion in waiting. The... the... <sighs> I mean, a lot of people saying that that's your you boys. That's the only one you've got any interest in in that nine thousand to ten thousand bracket. And and I'm with you, you know. 
there's nothing else there that I, I'm, I'm happy. I, 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 again, if if Barry were talking, I suspect he'd be putting Cantley. putting Patrick Cantley in. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Cantley maybe Justin Thomas showed some improvement last week. Whether uh, Bryson DeChambeau can get his head around Link's golf, he hasn't done so far, has he? He hasn't got his. He's got hasn't got his head around majors. Yeah, he hasn't had a top. Uh, he hasn't had anything better than fifteenth. No, no. I mean, Ricky's uh, Ricky's been way off the ball in recent recent weeks and recent months, really. So is Francesco since the Augusta. Yeah, and he's defending situation. as well. I mean, you know, it's, that's that's a huge ask to to yeah. uh, to defend and to, you know and turn your form around at the same time. And going back to the U.S. Open, he was uh, the U.S. PGA rather. He was way off in terms of his long game, which is just not Francesco Molinari. His long game is normally the backbone of his performance. But um, and you've got you you've got Fleetwood, who we've already said struggling. You got you got Justin Rose, who was playing like Harry Houdini at the uh, Pebble oh, Beach P- uh, U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, that, again, that's not his game, is it? You 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 put his game down to being. You know, metronomic tee to green. Yet he was scrambling up, up and down from everywhere, wasn't he? It was like Victor De Buisson in that um in that world match play from a few yeah. years ago at Dove yeah. Mountain. Yeah, it was just heroical stuff, wasn't it, from Rose? Yeah, but he's not going to have a game like, a week like that on and around the greens every time he plays. Um, that's just not going to work for Justin. So unless he's found something dramatic with his long game, he's he's not going to contend this week. For me, it it boiled down to Xander or Cantley in that in that um, that area. Do you see difficult question to answer, but I'll ask it. Um, do you see any link between last year's venue and this year's venue in terms of the course setup? Well, I think with any of the links courses, you... is this 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 looks a little bit trickier, a little bit more. I can't think of a better word. A little bit more linksy to me. A bit, a bit more pure, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I can pure. still kind of see where you, you're coming from. I think you need to deal with all of the past history of the Open Championship with a, with a pinch of salt because there very clearly are some players who continually perform um, on this kind of terrain year in, year out. Um, and whether that's because of the, the nature of the actual track or the nature of the conditions or the nature of the wind or the or the temperature or the, the varying conditions or just a mindset going into it, I think that's probably more or equally as relevant as, as how the, the course actually sets up on that given week. Because sometimes we see the bone dry, sometimes we see the, the you know they're the wet, sometimes they're calm, sometimes the wind is but then you're still getting the same kind of people who can adapt their games and uh, and perform. I, I don't know. I, 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 I look at past Open Championship form um, as an interesting factor um, without it being the be-all and end-all. I mean, I, as you know, I've put John Rahm up, who's got a, of the leading players at the top, he's got the worst of the Open Championship form as, as you read through their individual history but I still think he's got a fantastic chance of winning this week mm. so yeah don't know we shall see I mean, don't, you know, looking at that top bracket you've got five players up there McElroy, Kepka, Dustin, Johnson, Rahm and, and Woods and, and for me I can I can pretty readily scrub Tiger Woods from the, from the list because I think he's likely to to find the conditions not and um, what he needs to perform well um you know with with the, with, the, with, the, with his back and with what he needs to to be performing well nowadays with the the history that he's had with his back complaints agreed um 
Dustin Johnson for me doesn't fill me with any kind of confidence that he's playing well. However, he has lifted his game over a couple of the majors earlier this year, but uh, but just something doesn't feel quite right with with DJ to me. And uh, no, there's something wrong in the camp there. I swear there is. Yeah, he had this. There's been this split with Claude Harmon, isn't there? And, there's something not right there with DJ. Last mm. time I saw, I can't remember the last time I saw 18 to 1 about DJ at Major. Yeah, I mean, he's and he's out. still drifting. Yeah, he's drifting. Woods is drifting. And uh, there's clearly clearly not a great deal of love in the market for those two. And I can kind of see the logic and understand why. I mean, that's uh, you know, the other three um, are difficult to split. I mean, I've, I've backed John Rahm outright and I will use him um, quite heavily in my DraftKings teams, but I can't tell you that Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy won't win this tournament because they could both go and win this golf tournament and they've got to be for a balanced kind of approach here with multiple teams I think you've got to use a combination of um, those those players and, and some of the other guys that we've mentioned further down the list I, I, I can't full out fade of Rory McIlroy I can't full out fade of Brooks Kepka um, because I think they've both got a chance of winning this golf tournament We've seen Mac, we, we've seen McElroy come into um, the Open in different form in the past, haven't we? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's only when you write this down on a piece of paper that you get your head around it. Second at Carnoustie last year. Uh, fourth at Birkdale in 2017. Fifth at Troon in 2016. And first at Royal Liverpool in 2014. Mm. That's Rory McElroy's last four outings at the Open. Yeah, it's impressive stuff. It is impressive, isn't it? It's by yeah. far the most impressive of anyone. Yeah, and we we know you know he's clearly going to have a lot of local support. Whether that acts you know negatively in the longer run remains to be seen. You, know, you can put yourself under an immense amount of pressure to try and win a a tournament that's going to mean so much to you, you know, in front of your friends and family. But uh, but yeah, I, clearly that win in Canada was playing some fantastic stuff from tee to green. Ninth at Pebble Beach, thirty fourth last week. You could try and pick some holes in it if you want. Did he really want to go out and win that golf tournament last week in Scotland? I doubt it. His uh, his total driving was good. He was third for total driving, seventh for ball striking last week. So there doesn't appear to be much wrong with his game really. Putting for Rory, he's been putting quite well. Yeah, he has been. So, so yeah, I can't can't really draw a line through Rory and Brooks Kepka. One two, one two, last four majors. How how can you how can you draw a line from him? I don't think you can. You know, the the two attempts or the two starts he's had since um, finishing second at Pebble Beach, fifty seventh and and sixty fifth a fortnight ago. Yeah, you could look at those and and and, and say well, he's you know he's out of form, but I think that would be complete red herring. He's just getting his game ready and honed for the next major championship, which is clearly his one hundred percent undivided attention nowadays. So yeah, yeah, I think you're gonna have to gonna have to mix and match with uh, those guys at the top. When we go back to Rory's wins in majors, the first one at Congressional, twenty eleven, he was fifth at Memorial the previous outing. Mm. PJ Championship at Keewer Island, I was on board. 2012, he was fifth at Bridgestone the week before. Yeah. Um, then I'm scanning through my uh, system here. Bear with me. He then won the British Open. That will scare a few uh, listeners. The Open Championship in 2014. 
he finished 14th the week before at the Scottish Open. Started with a 64 to lead after day one. Threw in a 78 in round two. That was probably the, I'm not going to win this, I can't win this. And anyway, and then he shot 68-67. And then he won the PGA Championship of Valhalla off the back, of course, of the Open Championship and the Bridgestone Invitational. Mm. Um, and that was his last major, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I personally think, if you had to sort of get a yes or no answer out of me, I think he would have wanted to have been closer last week if he would have had the ideal build-up to the Open. He kept yeah. flirting with it. And there's rumours there that he hasn't been putting well, various bits and bobs that you read and you don't know whether to believe it or not. Yeah, there's, there's but, been, been a few murmurs in the last day or so yeah. of coming out of you know, dislike of the, the way the course is set or the way the greens are set up this week at Portrush as well. Which... But yes, he was he missed the cut at Memorial. Then he won at a canter in Canada. He was ninth at the US Open and he was in kind of semi-contention the whole week, wasn't he? Mm. he he's going to be hanging around, isn't he? You just know he is. Yeah. Difficult to uh, draw a line through. Impossible to draw a line through, should I say. I'm, I'm going to play more Rahm at the top end than anyone. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's some combinations of Rahm and some of the players we mentioned and then a few Rahm, Kepka and, uh, and some rags. Rahm, McElroy and some rags might be the way I'll play this. Some rags? This yeah. <laughs> some scrubs. Some scrubs. <laughs> Rags in the UK, scrubs in the uh, in North America. I think that's just about covered us then, isn't it? Yeah, I think we've uh, we've decimated the field. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, good luck with your uh, millionaire maker, fantasy golf millionaire teams. Hopefully, one of us can get uh, get a decent result this week, and hopefully, some of our readers or listeners uh, can. Uh, Get some decent results. Don't forget the, the deal that Steve mentioned right at the yeah. top of the show. If you uh, if you're new and fancy uh, giving the uh, giving giving DraftKings a go, then jump come on to the, the website. Yeah, jump jump on the deal. Come to the website and uh, see how you get on. Let us know. Give us a tweet and, uh, and and tell us how you're getting on. So new players, free entry to the fancy golf millionaire contest with a deposit of five dollars or more. Entry is normally twenty dollars. First place takes home a million dollars. But even if you don't win, there's still $3 million in total in prizes up for grabs. So 18-plus uh, new players, of course. You can read the full terms at Golf Betting System. So uh, as I said, just uh, use the link through to Paul's tips and uh, you'll be able to see the uh, deal on the right-hand side, navigation. Paul, always a pleasure. Enjoy your Open Championship. Yeah, you too. Best of luck. Let's hope that uh, we've got some players in the mix uh, Coming into the weekend, it's always it's always exciting to have players in the mix at a major. Clearly, indeed, can't wait. Absolutely, thank you to you and thank you to all our listeners. We'll be back uh, next week. We're back to uh, we're back to the rank and file, aren't we? We've got the Barracuda Championship uh, as the alternate event, and we've got the WGC event that they're playing at St in St Jude, the mm. FedEx. So uh, we've got some decent action next week, but uh, certainly. The final major of 2019 is upon us. Enjoy it. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.